Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. How you going, James? Hi. How are you? How how are you doing? I'm good. You know, this is my my last week as a postdoctoral. Is that right? What, yeah. what do you get to be called next? Are you going to become a research scientist? Yeah. Well, well, the the official uh, the tra- English translation will be a senior researcher, but um, it's not really a senior sen- researcher. I love it. Well, it sounds. It and sounds how old more... are you? Twelve. Well, 14? it sounds. It sounds a bit more special than it is, um, because it's not the same level as what we would know as a senior researcher in Australia would be. Uh, it, it'd be because everyone could... knows that's the that's the world's gold standard for yeah, science. Of course, whatever, whatever's used in Australia is obviously everyone, the standard other people should observe. Everyone looks towards that. Uh, but yeah, no, no longer. Uh, this is my last week as a as a postdoc before I before oh, I start. No. What are yeah. you going to do to say goodbye to your inimitable, awesome status <laughs> as a postdoctorials? Yeah, nothing much is really changing at all. Same office, same same everything. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna change. They're gonna change a code on the thing they send you on your pay stubs, and that's gonna be the end of the story. That that is that is pretty much it. Well, it sounds very exciting, Dan. Um, I am writing grants, which is what you do in the United States. Resist the temptation to kill yourself uh, <laughs> and write grants. Um, yeah. At least I'm. At least I'm enjoying it. Um, I don't That's good. To say the process is, I, I like. I'm liking the material of what I'm doing. At I um, can't say I enjoy the process very much at all. Yeah, but imagine it'll give a you money potentially. I won't. Sorry. It'll give you money potentially, or your lab. Well, money. I think you have to ask either very nicely or very often. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can see nicely working better for me rather than often because if I have to do this all the time, um, yeah. I'm thinking church bell tower. I'm thinking deer yeah. rifle. <laughs> I'm thinking arsenic in the water supply. I'm thinking a lot of stuff I probably shouldn't be thinking, frankly. Yeah. Everything yeah. gets a bit murdery when you go, oh, oh, just this now. And I'm assuming they have all the... Murdery um, is an adjective. What? I'm assuming they have all the crazy formatting rules like every other country. Oh, be... I, I'm not. I've the one of the really nice things about being a postdoc is that I'm insufficiently senior to deal with the true guts of how all that stuff is supposed to work. Also, people are very practiced at this stuff here, and there's grant offices that will help you with the details of this. It's sort of like I, I think of it as like a combination of advice and sort of grant copywriting all rolled into one so there's people whose job it is to do that stuff so you do the science and someone else does all the fiddly stuff i don't know about all the fiddly stuff they can certainly give you advice on what doesn't doesn't matter probably Mm. uh but you know it's still that doesn't make it any more or less annoying to do Mm. is you have to justify yourself in a certain amount of detail in a certain kind of way for something that has a very low likelihood of an outcome going favorably, really. Yeah, it's And people do so much of it. People do so much of it, I haven't the slightest idea how they have time to make any progress. It's like the snake eating its tail, it feels, some days. And I'm not just yeah. talking about me. I'm talking about all the people I see around of what they have to do. It'd be much easier if you had some really awesome problem and you were in a, a proper wet lab and you're solving something really cool 
Um, and the NIH just gave you a jillion bucks and then left you alone to spend it for five years. It'd be a little bit more like your situation where yeah. you actually get to do research and then waste it aggregating other people's shite. Nah. <laughs> there we go. It, would, it wouldn't be an Everything Hurts episode without you uh, besmirching the good name of meta-analysis. <laughs> uh, not that... Uh, not that not not in its entirety um when when you do them obviously they're the work of satan this is this is obviously what history shows us countless parallel examples of this that's my new that's my new favorite um non non fact but, but we're working a on a point that i've made because i'm irritating we're working on one one together now so I know I'm it's a, disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, but this is yeah, what you, you get for convincing me that things are a good idea. Thanks, Stuart. <laughs> it's, you it's hairy afterbirth. Now, now you got a really interesting uh, listener request for an episode recently. Yeah, well, I had it before, and then I forgot to read the email because I'm not a robot. Uh, here we go. You guys never did the authorship criteria podcast I suggested. Very true. Sorry, Jordan, we didn't do that. How much work has to be done to be an author on any given individual academic paper? How much work has to be done to be an author? Do all of the authors on a paper typically read it and check off the analysis? Is only the first author responsible for errors in the paper? And then something really super amusing uh, there was a retraction watch post about an article that had six, <laughs> six co-first authors. Um, we'll get to we'll get to making fun of that at the end because <laughs> I, th- I think we probably have the same opinion on six co-first <laughs> authors. Um, if a person starts a project and then has to leave the lab, should they be guaranteed something when the project is finished? Should they be first author if they leave? If a project's almost done and someone else writes it up, do they deserve co-authorship seeing as they wrote the paper? Yeah, this is... I think these are these are all very good questions. These are all very, very good questions. And the answer to all of them is... All of these things are determined by really messy human factors. There's only a sort of a partial calculus for making sure that authorship works the way it's supposed to. And it's a very good indication of... Sorry, that's not what I mean. It's a, it's a very good example where if you don't learn to represent yourself adequately... Uh, or you're working with someone who you shouldn't be working with because they're a dick then things are going to go quite badly so you have to you have to represent yourself properly in this respect and i think everyone i've worked with has done that relatively well i mainly get author horror stories from other people mm. um so why don't we have a go at some of these back to back because they're good they're good questions and this they is have, gold. obviously they, they trade well into contexts that are outside of ours um and it's a nice it's a complete set of questions and i know they're just supposed to be example questions but we've there's only so much time in the day jordan you 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 hard driving taskmaster oh dear me right so we tick them off let's tick them off let's tick them off how much work has to be done to be an author you go first Ah, I mean, this is this is tough, and I think like a lot of these responses, there's uh, there's going to be a lot of gray areas there. 
I mean, th- there is the uh, most journals uh, abide by certain certain policies about what actually determines uh, determines authorship. Um, yes, this is very this is very true, and especially yeah. a lot of medical journals, you are required to report contributions, which is also obviously a system that has messiness intrinsic to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a... But the, the way that I see the system set up, it is actually more favorable to more senior types because a lot of these systems actually say collecting the data isn't enough. And who are the people who are collecting the data? The little people are the all ones... people who are... who are doing what I call all the work. All the work. <laughs> so mo- most of these authorship criteria look at um, who conceived the experiment, typically senior authors. Um you know who Often, actually yeah 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 um and uh but not much actually goes towards who uh a lot of these uh policies specifically say collecting the data is not enough to actually uh justify authorship which is uh which is a real sure. shame because it means that um a lot of people that don't necessarily have the means to uh to, to protest these kind of things get screwed over yeah well look the the way that um I know Mark's not listening to my podcast because he runs a research institute now, but the way that Mark, my PhD supervisor, explained this to me quite some time ago was basically the things that people care about, that the research that you do, where you collect it and then you write the paper, is your, is your research primarily. That makes you first author on the research the vast mm-hmm. majority of the time, and that doesn't go wrong. When you, when you take it to completion and you get it done, that's important. If you are trying to set up a research group, fund stuff, be an academic old person, you are put on as the senior author, as the last person. Uh, the corresponding author as well, whose, whose details are appended to the paper, were, who, who, do you, who do you write to, who do you want to talk to if there's something up with the research, is also something of negotiation sometimes, but a lot of the time it's the senior author because they're the person who does all of the... They know people, they do the intercommunicating between other people. I'm corresponding author for most of mine, but that's only because we agreed at the time I knew more about how to answer questions about the research than the senior authors did. If I didn't, I'd be fine not doing that job. Perfectly happy not to. Now, everything past that is a grab bag of sort of were you involved, weren't you involved in kind of decreasing order of contribution. Yeah. Now, that works really well because more or less anything where you're sort of 2 through n minus 1 is going to be seen by other people as dramatically an order of magnitude less important than work that you've done that you have ownership of or work that you've directly supervised. Mm. So once your rules are in place for how all that stuff works, what else is there to worry about? Well, the place where everything tends to fall down, in my opinion, is where you have people who are involved in something to some peripheral degree, and it's a matter of whether they're contributions merit authorship now the weird part about this is i don't understand the preciousness surrounding this a lot of the time because adding someone as a fourth author or something does not diminish what you've done Mm. how does it what what precisely if i write a paper 
Yeah. And you help me write a paper and we get a specialist person to help us do one of the analyses. They probably become an author. They get someone to uh, restructure it, uh, read through it, uh, refocus it, pull all the graphs out, etc., etc. That's, you know, these are authorshipy sorts of jobs that people who are helping you write the paper. Um, what precisely do I lose if we add an additional author? Look, I'll give you an example from Poland. I'm probably somewhere between sixth and eighth author on a lot of papers that are specifically in cardiology. Do you know why? Because I hmm. get the paper from Polish collaborators and I don't do the analyses. I don't write the paper but I recut the whole thing in scientific English. Yeah. Mm. There's none of these people there's a very, there's a difference between scientific English. That's exactly right. And scientific English. That's almost right. You can tell as a reviewer, it's quite clear. Yeah. So that is, I mean, this is, and every, every single, every single other person is a English second language speaker. Uh, and they live in Poland. So they do their job in Polish and they have to write in English. It's a tough sell. Hmm. But if I'm helping them do the work, um, it, and it goes into the analysis sometimes, but all I'm really doing, the bulk of my job is rewriting everything. Hmm. Now, is that a contribution that merits authorship? Some would say no. Yeah, some people would probably disagree, but here's, here's the thing. I didn't ask for that job. I'm having my, I'm having my ear pulled to go and do it. Right? Please take this. Please agree to come on. Please agree to make this more sophisticated and be an author. Would be ever so grateful. So that determination is left up to them. I'm not banging on the door going, I'll rewrite your things if you stick me on the paper. I've got stuff to do, Jack. And I don't think anyone's going to look at my career and go, oh, really? Oh, so he's treating STEMI patients now. I'm not. <laughs> But also it feels extraordinarily strange to go, no, I will spend several hours recutting this paper the way that I like it, the way I think is sophisticated and makes sense, the way so it doesn't repeat itself, so you don't use language more than twice, so everything flows well. Well, let me But put it this am way. I just a glorified copywriter? Well, let me put it this way. Do you take responsibility for the data in the paper? Because a lot of journals, when you submit, you have to actually say all people have read it and all the authors take responsibility for the data and the correctness of the data as well, someone that, who... But that becomes a question of trust, doesn't it? Because mm. the vast majority of papers going anywhere... I think there's plenty, there's plenty of senior authors today signing off on stuff. Oh, really? We wrote a paper. That's amazing. <laughs> Send it into the journal of I Like Geriatrics. <laughs> That's going in. No one's, no one's reading that stuff. There's so many... Second, third, fourth, fifth author collaborators at a different university on the other side of the country who are involved in the project or collecting some of the data or doing some of the analyses. They're not going through the whole thing and reading it from scratch. Certainly there's people who publish so much, there's no chance they're reading all the stuff they're publishing. So they're just, they're just trusting that it's, uh, that, that it's correct. You just have to, you have to trust your, you your co-authors. So that's obviously, I mean, if you're not certain, like, what are you supposed to do when you're supposed to display the, the fact on a professional level that you're doing work? 
At the very least, um, I mean, I would only be really properly suspicious if I said, can I see all the data? And your co-authors that you were writing with said no. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, let, let me dig then it up for be you. Or, yeah, yeah. This is another good thing about the commitment to open data. If someone says, oh, we're going to write this paper, and we're going to get the data, we're going to stick it on the internet and everyone can read it. And so I'm making a commitment to everyone else. I think you can trust that co-author. Mm, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's so let true. The, let the whole let the whole world read it. I mean, what if you're not qualified to interpret it? We'll go back yeah. to these cardiology papers. I get, I get very much. I understand what's going on. I understand where the data was collected. I saw some of it be collected. I was working uh, with the people who who were on the grant. I know what it means. But then you get to the details of how was this. Um, how how what what were the specific parameters used in the Doppler? Yeah, mm. was the was the flowmetry done the right way? I don't know. I don't know no. if I mean the parameters are all being reported, but I can't tell. I don't have full technical command over the details. At what point in time is that supposed to stop? Well, the only practical answer is at a substantially less sophisticated level than I understand all of it perfectly or nothing would ever get done. Hmm. Plenty of big labs especially go, okay, she's doing the PCR. She's doing the CRISPR. She's doing the patch clamping. She's doing the Western blots. I don't know. All these scientists are women. Hey, there you go. Take that progress. So they're... <laughs> whatever. Uh, they're, all, they're all working together. Do they understand the really specific details of the technical tasks the other people are doing? No. In some I mean, cases, probably not. And, and that, that's science these days. With a lot of these papers, you have, you have to pull together so many different areas of expertise. Um, yeah. So, think, yeah. Think of genomic analysis, people c collecting huge amounts of data. I don't know people who go, I know, you know what we should do? Genetics. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, we should get all this data and do the genetics. Oh, wow. Really? That's a very sophisticated thought. But they will find collaborators who go, oh, yeah, there is something meaningful you can do with that. Send me all the data. Hmm. I mean, they didn't even know it was available to be done. Other people are telling them that the task exists. How are they supposed to have full command over it? No yeah, chance. That's a reality. Right, next, uh, next question. Next question. Do all of the authors on a paper typically read it and then check off the analyses? Well, I'm going to go first because you went first last time and I'm better looking. Good, he's smiling, he agrees with me. Um, do they do they all read it? In my experience, yes. Yeah. Because I want like the vast majority of the time I want edits from everyone. And even if I'm if I'm if this are eight people on a paper and I'm sixth author, I'm still reading it. Um, Your name's on you it. Can't, so yeah, yeah, for sure. But I'm reading it and I'm saying I'm reading it critically. Would you consider doing this? Would you consider adding that? Change this. Don't do the paragraph like this, etc., etc. I don't care if it's a pain in the ass. You're going to stick my name on it. I'm going to try to improve it. If you don't think it works like that, well, we'll hand it off and find out. Hmm. So the as far as like checking the guts of the analysis, I think we just covered that. Yeah. But uh, do they all typically read it? In my experience, yes. Or at the very least, they should. That's something you really should make time for. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I've I found the same thing that um, everyone actually, um, of course, it's at different levels, but um, everyone's contributed, uh, everyone's read it, and everyone gives feedback, and the the paper gets uh, much much better as a result. Yeah, 
Oh, it's a look. I mean, you can you can you can make a very good point in a couple of lines. Like, have you considered the result? Have the results from this research, two citations? You go and read that research and go, wow, it changes everything. You can't happens all the time to me. There's only, there's only, yep, there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. I'm very happy to have my nose rubbed in it in situations like that. Have but you better, seen all this stuff? Better, better your co-authors than a reviewer who goes, you missed this like super key paper. You're an idiot. Much, much better yeah. to hear from your co-authors. Yeah, it's like, how have you not done sufficient background to understand this topic if you haven't read seminal references one and two? Yeah. And a lot of the time when they say that, I mean, I know reviewers can be pissy, but a lot of the time when they say that, they're right. Yeah. I, I tend to go through very typical stages with reviews of um, the reviewers idiots. Oh, I think they've made an okay point to actually reading the papers they've suggested going, oh, they're actually really right and the paper is much, much better as a result. I actually rarely get uh, reviewers that are clearly wrong. If they are, I'll actually argue um, too in my response to the reviewers, but... I reckon nine times out of ten, um, the comments reviewers make uh, almost always are improving the paper. Maybe I'm striking it lucky. I don't know. What, what are you finding? No, it's quite, I think that's a, a, a combination of where you're sending stuff and uh, how the editors are handling your how the editors are handling your uh, the, the work that's coming in. I'll give you an example. Mm. Look, after I started using Publons and I did some disgusting amount of peer review. Did you get a badge? Uh, like seven a seven badge? papers in a month. Yeah, I got a little badge. I couldn't tell you what it was, but they got it's something, top, and it's stuck top ten percent of, next... um, of of reviewers in, in your field. It's a good little initiative. Um, what? Yeah. So you, uh, you, no. you, you look like it. <laughs> they they had a uh, Publons had an, uh, had an initiative for peer review week uh, a few weeks ago where they um, they looked at. They compared your amount of peer reviewing to the the field at large. So if you said oh, my field is medicine, for instance, they looked at your rate of peer reviews and compared it. And if you were in the top ten percent, you got you got a medal, a little uh, a mat, a badge on your profile which says that you are a sentinel of science uh, oh. by con- by contributing to peer reviews. So have a look, have a look on your um Let on your profile. And yeah, I've got that. There you go. Congratulations, That's what it James. Is. You're a sentinel of science. That sounds that sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it? It sounds like I wait on a bridge somewhere. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it was a, it's a great initiative. Um, and okay. uh, I, yeah, yeah sure. a big 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 fan of pub of the, of the Publons. What's it for? Um, you know, did you know Publons was uh, is, a, is a Kiwi company? It was originally founded in in New Zealand. I did not know that. Yeah, Kiwi. Shall I express my frank opinion on? Things that generally come from this country. I'll not do that. I'll, I'll, I'll not. I'll not do that. The key, that there's some good Zealand's physiology. Listening. There's a good physiology coming out of New Zealand, though. I have to say. Wonderful country. Kind and generous people. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's certainly good. certainly it's good to visit. I don't know. I. Don't know if I'd ever have the opportunity to live there. Um, I didn't know it was a Kiwi company, but there you are. Look, I'm a, the point was I've got my, my little badge or whatever it is. And what happens now is instead of being in a loop of, well, instead of just being in a loop of people, like editors that know you, stuff that they can send around, what's going on, you, you know how it is. A network mm. of peers is now this external thing that says, oh, this guy reviews a lot of stuff within these areas and people you don't know start popping up. Yeah. Mm. So my reward for, for doing all that review was 
more review of papers that are worse quality uh, in a shorter period of time. But how how do you know that this is because of publons? Because I think we've spoken oh, about this. Oh, no, 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 no. Some, maybe it's got something to do with the fact that in the last four years or something since I've had to do this and the month immediately subsequent to all the, the things and the silly badge and something that it's all just gone, it's all gone nuts. Okay. Yeah, well, It could sense. be a complete coincidence, but it isn't. Well, you know, you know it's so, actually been me. I've been actually palming off your name to uh, every single review I get. Even the oxytocin stuff. No, hang on. No, you, <laughs> no, only I, did that, you only did that once. Yeah, I only told you about it once. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker! <laughs> no, no. You know what? I, I've I've done that. I've actually I've, I've I've done it once before months ago, but that was because I was convinced that this is totally up your alley. It was the biggest James paper I've ever seen in my life. I don't remember what it, what, what it was, but that's why I didn't even ask you because I knew this was like James paper. Um, and then there was one that I, um, I mentioned a, a week or two ago, but <laughs> wouldn't that yeah, be a yeah, form but that of revenge? Was, um, I, said, I said that was fine. So, oh, that's fantastic. It's nice to know that you're looking out for me. And by looking out for me, I mean <laughs> sending me random work. Thanks a ton. You're gorgeous. All the, uh, um, all, all the, uh, the oxytocin dog studies I'm sending you away. The, the, the dogsitocin literature, which is dog, booming. Dogsitocin, dogs huh? You know, you know, I did. I will, um, be sending, I will be sending that on to someone else. I will invent <laughs> someone at another institution, get a fake I, I, email address for them, and send it there. Small, small little, small little uh, tangent. I um, I figured out how to scrape um, data from Twitter using Twitter's public API and uh, search for specific um, search terms and see what words are associated with others. Of course, I oh, chucked God. in the old, uh, the old oxytocin term to see what came up. And the mm. word cloud, um, a, lot, a lot of people seem to um, think that it reduces headaches and migraines, which is actually completely new to me. Like, I, I know people are saying it's the hug hormone and that, you know, they've come uh. up with this idea that, yeah. And, and that, that's fine. And I understand where that comes from. But then there's all this other stuff um, on, on top of the stare into your dog's eyes for 10 seconds to boost both the oxytocin levels. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that. Um but uh, <laughs> I'm getting some some weird eyes from from, from James here. Um, but yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot of doxytocin stuff. I'm actually going to do a really quick little blog post on how to actually scrape um, Twitter API data for your own word clouds, which I might do in time for this episode. But um, but we 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 digress. We're talking about peer peer reviews. Yeah, next question. Well, we're allowed yeah. to digress. We haven't done one of these for a while because yeah. you're a filthy, lazy socialist. And, um, it's, you know, you get a bit loose on your, your first show back. Yeah. All right. These, these are much more difficult questions, these last two. If a person starts a project and then has to leave, should they be guaranteed co-first authorship when the project is finished? You go first. Oh, this is hard. Um, I mean, at what point, like, are they, have they basically written the, the paper up to completion and someone else just needs to quarterback the thing to publication? Have they just finished data collection and someone has to come in and clean all the data? Uh, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, um, this is I've, something that should be, my, my answer is exactly the same. What you just said is there's a lot of questions, right? In other yeah. words, this should be resolved by negotiation. If someone's yeah. got full analyses, uh completed notes sufficient that you can come in and then uh turn the whole thing over 
and uh, not even necessarily have too much familiarity with what's going on and just uh, and just sort it all out yourself yeah yeah um maybe you're not even maybe you're not even the first author yeah i wouldn't have a i wouldn't have a problem with that um if there's things remaining to be done if you have to take it in a separate direction than was originally intended um maybe there's a case for co-first author if it's just a big pile of data with no paper then um i would not i could not in good conscience take the first person off the paper completely no, 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 no. There could certainly be a situation where the person who is encountering all of this second hand is entirely entitled to be the first author and yeah. the person who collected all the data is down the list. I think it's much dickier to leave someone off, especially a paper with a lot of co-contributors. I think it's much dickier to leave someone off entirely than it is to mess around with the order of authorship. The problem is, for a lot of this stuff, is ownership. When you've finished collecting a bunch of data, and you have it, and you are finished, and then you leave without using the data, who does the data belong to? Now, the Uh. technical answer in a lot of these cases, I think, is it's the IP of the university. Okay. So... The fact that you leave your employment at the university and go elsewhere, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think obviously I had a lot of uh, welcome to the faculty, don't set anything on fire meetings recently. As far as I'm aware, now everyone feel free to correct me in, in, at, in, in strident language and great detail if I'm wrong about this, but that's how I think it works. In other words, once you've not done anything with it, yeah, mm. and you've gone away, there is an openness to it. And that's, in many ways, that's totally unavoidable. But look, there's right and wrong ways to handle this, and it shouldn't be difficult. The vast majority of problems in a situation like this is caused by the PI, whoever's senior on the paper, not taking care of business. Look, as long it as shouldn't the PI's- be, It doesn't have to be awkward or weird. As long as everyone agrees and everyone has conversations and... I mean, I've sort of uh, I've been a part of, of of this sort of conversation before, where someone has has left, and then the PI was like, "All right, well, you're left. Uh, someone else is going to write it up." Um, you know, they they gave them the opportunity. If you want to write this up, this this is yours. You you, you can be the first author for this. But they were like, "You know what? I don't have the time." And so the PI was like, "Okay, well, how about we let um, this other person write it up?" Um, if you don't want to finish it up, you can be second, they can be first, and we can get a paper published. And that person was like, sure. cool, I'm down with that. And everyone yeah. agreed with it. And I think that I think I'm that was very, a good, uh... look, there's lots of situations. I'd be very happy to be a second or other author if it means I don't have to do the work. I don't have to fix the margin, send it to the journal, deal with mm. the editor writing back telling me I've used the wrong size commas. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to. I'm I'm happy to pass up. Stuff like that. And look, and, and the other thing is, is because of the turnover in science, you get into an awful lot of situations where it doesn't matter. People just leave and they go away. They don't come back. Mm. You know, some of them leave to do all sorts of stuff. Some people sail a yacht around the world. Some people go and pull coffees at a, you know, in a cafe. Some people go into industry. Some people get different jobs completely. Some people become dentists and nurses and go into allied health. None of these people give a toss whether or not they're published in something that they may not understand in a few years and probably won't ever read. 
Yeah. You can't stick it on a resume and convince someone to, you know. There's there's an awful there's an awful lot of situations where the really structured record keeping of how good or bad you are has absolutely no relevance whatsoever. So I think people also get used to that. Oh, he's gone, doesn't matter anymore. Well, the mm. decent thing to do is leave him on, but you might not even think about it. Yeah, and it's, it's worth chatting to them because um but there's a lot of situations where people do leave, um particularly if they're junior. And uh, just because they're not around, they get kicked off the paper. Um, yeah, which is a real so, shame. If they if they leave to do another academic job, and you kick them off the paper without telling them, or the work just appears in print without them being consulted, that's bullshit. Poor form. Uh, but yeah, look, a lot of a lot of people who are booster kind of careerist sorts of people have this attitude like if they can remove an author to make themselves look better, even marginally on one paper, they will. Look, but I don't see how that makes a difference, particularly it when it comes to... It doesn't make a difference, Dan. I'm telling you that some people out there are selfish pricks and they can thrive in the business where you hoard acorns like a fucking ADHD squirrel. You get all your little things, you stick them in a row, and you can make it look a tiny bit more special by dicking someone over, and they don't matter. They don't matter to you, so you might as well. Um, yeah, this is the, when it's really important to someone. If they, is, you, you get into a headspace, even if it's not practically important. You get into a headspace where authorship on something is really important to you. And the fact that it just isn't important to other people kind of you, you you're perplexed by it you think how how could you possibly think that and well the answer is they didn't think because they don't care mm. that's usually the center of it it's not people trying to make themselves look good it's just that it's less important to them than it is to you and they've failed to be considerate yeah uh, last question last question all right if a project's almost done and someone just writes up the results do they automatically deserve co-first authorship since they wrote the paper no, they don't <sighs> automatically deserve shit. It's not, no, it's, it depends it's not on it pass. depends on. No, um, absolutely not. They definitely do not. It's not a situation. Look, it depends on how important it is to you to get it done. Uh, it depends on how much. Look, if you've done something that's an, an, uh, an analysis, that's something that's really difficult or really technical, or that has to be completed, you you know something something that's intrinsic to you, the way you work. And someone else comes in and writes that up and then claims kind of intellectual ownership of it. There's a lot of situations where that's total bullshit. Mm. Again, I mean, I know we're both going to give the answer here. Again, this should be resolved by some form of negotiation. There's human factors at work in all of these questions. But if you are the person who just turns the paper into the identifiable thing that hits the public and then counts and stuff... Are you then entitled to be the to identify yourself as the person who did it? Not necessarily, no. And it's tricky because it changes with... from it changes from field to field. I've actually, um, yeah. Apparently, in 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 mathematics, they do it by alphabetical order when it comes to authorship. Huh. So obviously, the, obviously, the mathematics. It's, it's, that's not a widely authored field. I mean, a lot of papers in mathematics are fairly small. Like the number of authors is low, right? Yeah, but still, um, obviously, for that field, then uh, the or, uh, the being first or senior mustn't matter. What really seems to matter then is just I did a publication. Doesn't really matter where you go. 
Or perhaps the way the journals are actually structured is um, maybe they take the uh, medical journal route and they put in the contributions. Person X did the analysis. Person Y mm. um, supervised. I, I quite like that with journals, um, with, with the few journals that do that, where you have to put in exactly what every person did. And you can say, well, that, that person just collected the data or that person actually came up with it or the first author basically did everything and the other three just read it and signed it off. I like that. It's good. It's transparent. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is, it's, it's not really a hard thing for, for journals to implement. Like, it's just the it's just it's one extra thing to write up uh, in, in the paper. Just do it. Yeah, true. It's also totally possible for um, people. I mean, if, it's hard to prevent coercion happening. I mean, I've seen a few papers, for instance, where it's said all authors performed all the functions of this paper. <laughs> Lol, as well, we can't be bothered filling it out. And all I can think of is there's a senior author and two of his parasitic mates and there's someone who's doing all the work. I can't <laughs> avoid that impression from someone who's done that. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. Now, speaking of, uh, speaking of multiple parasitic authors, let's get to the funny, <laughs> let's get to the funny part while we still have legs here. Let's do it. Six co-first authors. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is this is absolutely this is insane. I, it's hilarious. I, I am How dare of the view, you, sir. It's funny as. I, I I'm of the view that in some circumstances, I do agree with having two first first co-authors. Quite often, mm-hmm. you can have some people. Who, um, particularly if it's a more complex type of experiment, and you had two people who had differing sets of expertise, but roughly contributed equally to the actual yep. paper. Um, this happens. Yeah, look, uh, there's, there's plenty. There's plenty of stuff in science. It's like uh, someone spends uh, all this time identifying a molecule, and then someone else has to actually build it, hmm. and then someone else has to test it, and the, the, these three functions that are core to the identity of the paper are handled by three separate people. Look, and it happened, uh, there's a good example in, in my lab uh, recently. Um, there was, uh, we're doing some great stuff on sleep deprivation. And there's, uh, there's one guy who's an MD who's fantastic when it comes to the sleep disorder stuff and another guy who's fantastic with brain imaging. And um, two, two papers have come out and they both contributed the same. Um, the brain imaging paper, the brain imaging guy was first, but um, also co-first author. But for the more clinical paper, the, the clinical guy was first, but the brain imaging guy was second. They both contributed the same, so that was that. That was a good compromise. No, no coin flipping or playing a game of croquet. Have you seen that paper from the from the uh, from the seventies? There was a there Did was you an say English croquet croquet. There was a paper. Oh, and... there, there was an English. You don't need to go any further than that. There's yeah. obviously an English involved in this situation. And uh, there was a footnote, and they were saying, um, you know, that these two authors were were um uh, both co-first author, and the order was decided by fifteen games of croquet. <laughs> Haven't you seen that? No, I haven't. But I think more stuff should be decided by croquet. <laughs> it's it's excellent. I uh, I love it's fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Games of croquet. But, oh man. Okay. So so two 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 authors. You, you don't agree though with with the whole two author thing, do you? Or, or or do you? I can see the argument for. I can see the argument for multiple contributions like that. I just think it's not particularly common now. I have a proposal, actually. You know, people. The whole point is, when it comes to something like that, 
is that we give people who are first author in any capacity some kind of primacy, right? Mm. It becomes more important to you. The research is qualitatively different when you're first author. So you could end up in a situation where you go, oh, we're all the first authors, so we're all special boys. We've got 97 co-first authors. Here's my <laughs> proposal. Take, if we're talking about promotions or stuff that you're going to boast about on a letter, etc., etc., you still get to give yourself the title of first author. However, here's how much first author you get. We take the number of first authors, say a number of first authors. Six. Okay, so we've got six first authors. Take away one, so we've got n minus one. What do you get? Five. Take the inverse. One-fifth. Yeah, so you're one-fifth you of have the... One, uh... You have one-fifth of a, a first author paper. <laughs> That'll look great in the CV. Yeah, I've, uh... what's that? I've, I've written 14 and one-fifth, because that's the thing. You've got six co-first authors. Now, to give you the opportunity to have two authors making equal contributions to something like this, yes? Mm. I will let you do that. Why, that's why you get the N minus one, is because we have, need to have a situation where you can say two people made an equal contribution to this. Yeah. Right, but when you get so to kind three, of dilutes it. Yeah, when you get to three, figure out a hierarchy. So we got three. We go three minus one is two. We go the inverse of two is a half. Congratulations, you all get half. Half of first authorship. Yep. So four first authors, one third. Five first authors, a quarter. Makes and sense. And so on. Makes so sense. what if we, what have we got in this other one? We've got six first authors, <laughs> and we've got six senior authors. They can have exactly the same thing. Congratulations, you all get one fifth. One put fifth that on your author. tenure application. One fifth of an authorship. Um, yeah, no, at first it's a thing. It's a yeah. Maybe you should have to lift it separately because look, the, the whole point is you remember that thing from the superhero movie, The Incredibles, like when everyone's a when everyone's a mutant, nobody is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're all co-first authors. Or if you if you do that, it's going to totally dilute the meaning of it in the first place. And then there's going to be a couple of years, and essentially everyone's going to start doing it. And then it's just going to look cheap and ridiculous. We're going to have to come up with a completely separate system because it's totally unsustainable. It's like it's like burning money to stay warm when it comes to reputation. <laughs> it's really but dumb. I just don't see how it works practically because really what what matters is what or what author it appears on 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 in the reference lists and in CVs and how awkward is it on a CV? Yeah, well you have like a, like an asterisk or, or different symbols. Um, oh, you know, I, I was third author, but really I was equal first author. It's just just doesn't work I, I, unless it's like yeah, it doesn't work. Yep. You know, but on on the other on the other side, um, I I also think uh, I, I did see come across another paper within the um the comment section of this paper with three first authors and three senior authors. So they they wanted they all to spread, get they all get half. They want they wanted to spread the love. I I, I think there is uh more almost more of a justification for having um two senior or two corresponding authors, uh, particularly in the situation of PhD. Um, papers, because quite often um, nowadays PhD students are supervised by two people. You have two different sets of expertise, and uh, quite often the the paper has, um, you know, particularly when it comes to corresponding stuff, you ask a question to one senior author, they're just going to palm it mm-hmm. off to um, to the other supervisor. So yeah, I, I, yeah, of course. I, I, yeah, I do, and it's quite common in a lot of papers to actually have two corresponding authors. 
Um, quite often it is the first and the last, but sometimes you have the two last authors as senior. So three is a is a bit is a bit much, but two senior, yeah. I can see that. But then you come back to the same problem on a CV. Well, I was the second last, but technically I was equal last. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, look, this is the one, it's one thing that you can't get away from. I know a lot of pointless academic careerist bullshit we're very happy to throw overboard. But what you actually did on research that matters as it's recorded in the public record is something that isn't going to go away. It doesn't matter if it's a a preprint or a web-only thing or where it's published or what it happens or what its impact factor is or anything like that. What you actually did on a project, your function on it is recorded when it's turned into a published document. Mm. And people will, who don't know you, and can say I had someone tell me a few months ago they had a uh, a job open at Harvard in microbiology and they got uh, somewhere between 320 and 400 applications. There you go. So here's the point. The point is that at some point in time, your record will have to be reviewed by someone who hasn't met you. Mm-hmm. You can't just get jobs. For, you can't be so famous that everyone's heard of you. And you, <laughs> and you can't just get jobs off people that know you. Mm. Right? Mm. So at some point in time, you're gonna, your record is going to have to have an intrinsic structure that speaks for itself. Full stop, end of story. And as usual, with all of these things, with all of these things, the, the, the an, an open an open way of resolving these problems, something that where you have a, you have a communicable agreement that you can reach. You have to be unafraid of going and getting one, and it's one of the serious and dangerous downsides of working with people who are unreasonable, or avoidant, or difficult or prone to fits of violent, explosive temper, etc., etc., is the fact that you can't have this conversation and A, get anywhere, or B, even feel safe. Mm, big problem. So that, that shit is infuriating when you hear stories of that happening to people. Yeah. Yeah, not good at all. So, it's a, yeah, it's a good... It's, if, if someone says, if someone's got a terrible reputation now, I know them, and they say, you want to get involved with this thing... Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to do this? So as we can do ABC, you can be on whatever in whatever capacity. What do you think my answer would be? Big fat no. Well, it's a big fat no, but it would be spelt with a fuck and an off. I mean, there's just there's not there's not enough time to if if you're going to get stuck in every point in time where you have to have an argument about something or you have to look more closely at something, or you you know the stuff that should it. be easy. No, no, no time. Mm. Mm. You Look, get to a point where you can use all the time doing your own stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up for today. Uh, thanks, thanks for the question, Jordan. Um, uh, we've, we've just got uh, another. I know, I know. You've, he asked it two or three times, so thank you for <laughs> for all of those specific ne- games. <laughs> next time, uh, next time, send it to me, so we'll actually. Uh, I'll, I'll oh, actually have shut you, up! <laughs> get the email read. I uh, got got another suggestion today of a Twitter uh, for an episode idea, which hopefully we will get to um, in the next little. Don't while, get all but, coy. What is it? I uh, got a great question on uh, the academic job market. We all hate it, but we can't escape the black hole. Okay, is that a question, or is it just a 
rude statement of fact. No, no, no. Well, the academic job market, just a discussion of the academic job market. It's just that forty-five one. minutes of screaming, and <laughs> gen- gentle splatting in the background as I throw soft objects at my windows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, we will get to that over the uh, over the next uh, few episodes. So thanks for that, and keep on keep on sending your episode suggestions through. Not to James because he won't read the email, Shut but up. Um, you can put it on Facebook or or Twitter or send it to the um, Everything Hurts Podcast at gmail email address. Uh, but uh, yeah, keep sending the ideas through. Tell your friends. Keep listening. Uh, keep uh, reviewing adding stars to our iTunes account because that's how other people are going to find our podcast. Mm. And if you don't like it, go and lie about it. Yeah, you can do that too. Actually, if you've made it this far into an episode, why the hell wouldn't you like it? Yeah. If you don't like it and you've listened this far, you have emotional issues. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> we will, how can uh, you live with yourself? How can you live with yourself? Okay. Uh. And- Let's go, Dan. Let's go. All right. All the best. Toodles.